Good morning and welcome to True Talk. This is your host Samar Jarrah and Ahmed and Bidir. This is, yeah, and this is your host also, Ahmed Bidir. Hi. Yeah, <laughs> I said that. How okay. are you, Ahmed? I'm good. Um, I guess due to the hurricane that was coming, we couldn't be both in the studio at the same time for some reason. I thought it would still be happening until Thursday, but fortunately it was not. But uh, this is True Talk, um, and we are live. Just bear with us. Uh, I don't think we're playing music today. We're just going to go right into our show. So no much damage, Ahmed, in uh, Tampa? I haven't driven around much in Tampa, um, but just in the parts that I did go, I didn't see much damage. And, you know, fortunately, we didn't have any problems where um, where I live. And, um, you know, I don't live on the water or anything. So uh, there, was, there wasn't the concern. And I'm not in the flood zone, so I didn't have to evacuate. But fortunately, we were spared once again. But there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, ahead of the storm. People were, uh, you know, concerned that this may be the time that Tampa gets hit. But alhamdulillah, it was not. And uh, fortunately, it actually went to an area that was less populated in the state, the Big Bend of Florida. Yeah, but I think less uh, fortunate uh, people because I was looking at uh, the damage and the water damage. Um, they seem to be like uh, simple homes and many mobile homes. So I really feel bad uh, for them because, you know, the media, they uh, they would cover it like before, during and a bit after and then they leave. Believe it or not, it's been a year and two days since uh, Ian hit uh, my city. And just Monday, Ahmed, I got my second estimate for the broken windows. Luckily, wow. they, they don't open into the house, but nobody would fix broken windows, like even if it's broken glass. <laughs> and the what? insurance company gave me $175 to fix it. And I said, uh, if you find somebody who can fix a window, I'll really pay you the 175 They don't want Ahmed to deal with having to fix something while they can replace the whole window. I don't know if why, but um, that's my situation. And I don't want to tell you the price. But what I'm trying to say is that the, the store moves and the media coverage uh, moves on, but the lives of people um, does not uh, move on. For instance, um, uh, I know so many people around me have lost their roofs. They still have the blue tarp. My blue tarp is all over the yard since yesterday because it was ripped to pieces, except luckily a few areas, but it was raining inside my house. And unfortunately, um, the state of Florida or the governor of Florida or the system of the USA, you pay, pay, pay insurance companies. And then when it's time for them to really just, I, I don't want new windows. I don't mind fixing the old windows, but there is nobody who would fix it. And it's definitely not going to cost only 175. I would say at least two, three thousand dollars. But that's what they allocated. They don't want to pay for the roof. They don't want to pay for anything, which is why on earth do I have 
uh, like, why do I pay all these thousands of dollars? Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to my rights, first of all, I have to get an adjuster who will take 10% of whatever money I might get. And then this didn't work. So now I have a lawyer who will take another 30% plus expenses. So God knows how much I'm going to be left with. So what about people who can't afford to put a tarp? Every time I put a tarp, is it was just for the guy, $600. And then $600 for the sand uh, things and for the tarp itself. So I've put it twice already and I need it one more time. And there are areas where I gave up. I said, I'm not going to cover it. Let it leak. What am I going to do? But people out there, some people really can't afford even a tarp. So I hope people will, you know, if there is funding for these people who were hit, that they would really contribute because I know firsthand how tough it is and especially to be without electricity oh my gosh in this heat oh my god i can't even think of that <laughs> anyway sorry well, Ahmed. well i'm sorry you're still dealing with it but it just shows you how these natural disasters and when you really need these insurance companies to step up and help you uh, get back on your feet rebuild your lives after such devastation it's not that easy like you said it's been over a year um, and um, many of the things are not fixed. And, you know, fortunately, you're one of the, you have the resources. And as you said, imagine people that don't have the resources, uh, what are they doing? And um, I was really concerned when this was coming up uh, from Cuba, after Cuba, that uh, it was going to head again towards your area. And I thought that this would be just <laughs> absolute devastation. Did anything like that cross your mind? Did it? I know, uh, you know, did it, um, I guess, remind you of the trauma that you guys went through last year? Because you actually, you know, stayed home during that storm because you didn't really have yeah. much time to evacuate. No, and I still didn't believe it was coming my way, to be honest with you, because I don't know why. Uh, but I had at least... You mean this time or last time? Yeah, no, last time. No, at this time I learned my lesson. I uh, I made sure... For instance, I secure my uh, door, uh, the entrance door. It's it's uh, it's half a door now, and it's the first thing that will uh, be blown away with so the. So your wind. door is still not fixed. No, because as I, as I told you, I am getting these estimates because the first estimate to do the door and a few windows was like something like thirty thousand dollars, and they gave me a hundred and seventy-five dollars for it. Wow. So they thought maybe I am like uh, going to the most expensive something. So I went to another company. It took them two months and a half to come to give me the estimate. The guy hasn't given me the estimate yet. <laughs> you understand? The guy has not yeah. given me the estimate. And people advise, you know, I have to do the roof because there is so much banging and nails and dirt so you can't put an expensive door uh and then get all these trucks to come and start working on your roof so i was waiting to start on the roof so i uh, i'm still waiting for the other uh, estimate to show the company i'm not trying to rip them off i'm I'll, I, the guy said you want white windows or brown windows i said i don't care give me the cheapest as long as it's um, 
according to code. He says, yeah, we don't do anything not according to code. Then he comes back and he says, you want them sliding or I don't know what. I said, what's the difference? He said, they're cheaper. I said, give me the cheaper. So I'm really going down with the quality and the grade in order to convince the insurance company is that I'm not trying to rip them off. I'm really trying to get a fair estimate on the lowest kind of window and door out there. So anyways, uh, you know, I learned. still not my... working. Yeah. Okay, so you learned your lesson and you secured things this time. And what I happened? I have water. I have water. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't have a lot of gas. My oven is a gas oven. Excuse me, people who object to that. But it's very old. Um, but I called my friend and my friend already has uh, her fridges connected to some gas supply. So I thought, okay, at least the meat I have, um, you know, because when I come to Tampa, I go to Arabic grocery stores and buy my halal meat and my halal chicken. So this halal is like a kosher for Muslims. Yeah. Although Publix, by the way, has halal uh, lamb, but doesn't advertise it. All their lamb is halal. So anyways, I learned my lesson, Ahmed, secured the house and uh, hoped for uh, the better. And I have like 6,000 frogs <laughs> screaming. Uh, it's weird. So many frogs. All of what a do sudden. you mean? What? Frogs. They came out of where? No, from all the rain. And because we have, we got unbelievable amount of rain. And uh, uh, they had to close bridges, believe it or not. The 41 bridge connecting Ponta Gorda to Port Charlotte and then to Mayaca River and then Venice and Inglewood. Uh, there were huge flooding and uh, all downtown Ponta Gorda and the restaurants and the hospital are underwater. So I don't know how could this happen um, again. And I feel so bad for these people because it took them so many months to get back to business. And now for a simple storm, that did not hit us for them to go through this. And, you know, because these people uh, write uh, online and they have Facebook and they have, um, you know, they can reach and show us pictures, how many times they need to rebuild and how many loans they need to get. Because I know one particular uh, restaurant that my husband and I go to, the lady, uh, she's uh, like Chinese American. The lady was telling us that um, they're still waiting to fix the roof, and now they have to go buy fresh tarp to retarp the roof in case this hits them. And you're talking thousands and thousands of dollars, and I don't know where all this aid goes. Seriously, I mean, why can't they help uh, these little businesses? I have no idea. So. You know, if you run for office, Ahmed, uh, run for uh, uh, commissioner for what they call them, the commissioner for insurance or something. Really, something has to be done to help these people. Isn't it the governor at the end? I mean, you saw DeSantis in these uh, news conferences. Um, he seems to have a lot of say in what's happening. But uh, have you been to uh, Fort Myers and Fort Myers Beach no. uh, since the hurricane? No, I haven't, but I have somebody I follow on Twitter and was showing 
the water what they call it when uh, the water rises um Oh, I forgot. The, um, Inglewood Beach has been uh, affected more uh, this right. time than Fort Myers. But no, I just saw water, but I was shocked. The high tide, you mean? Yeah, high tide. The town is shocked because the downtown Ponta Gorda is far from the beach. Oh, okay. no, no, there is, no, no. Maybe my husband has a weird theory, but he has no engineering knowledge whatsoever but if there are engineers out there they can tell us he says oh because you know uh, as soon as you get off the bridge that connects port charlotte to ponta gorda uh that's the downtown and that's all the water came from the bridge into the water but it didn't happen during the hurricane how could it happen in such a small storm compared to the nine hours that we had of continuous wind and rain but uh, you know, Ahmed, these things, like for instance, I I know we are I'm getting on a tangent here, but because this is Florida and this is good information for people, uh, it affects real estate. For instance, uh, people don't want how to so move, uh, after COVID started. I swear to God, I know people, you know, people who work with my husband who have a kid who rents a one-bedroom apartment or uh, has a one-bedroom apartment uh, house or uh, the daughter, you know, just uh, got a divorce and she stayed in her house, which is two-bedroom and uh, with her uh, daughter. People were coming from up north uh, that there was no inventory. There is nothing to sell them, nothing that they can move into. So what people did, like, for instance, in this particular case of this young lady who got divorced, she moved in with her parents, sold her house for an obscene amount of money that if she wants to sell her house today, it won't uh, get, get, get her. It would be at least one hundred and fifty thousand dollars less. I, I still don't get your point. What is uh, what, I didn't understand. So now, what is, were these people so moving had, there before? No, no. We had a boom. After COVID, after the hurricane, Ian, actually some people left. They sold whatever they can sell and said, we want, we don't want to live here. And why? Because HOA, I think they call it home association, things became expensive. And because of the attitude of insurance companies. So at the moment, in the past three or four months, Ahmed, real estate is almost uh, came to a halt. So I mean, is there a crash there? Are prices low or what? Nobody wants to buy in an area where if you buy a home, they read nonstop about stories of people like me who are offered $175 to fix their window that the estimate is $30,000. So I'm trying to say there is there are ripple effects to what insurance companies are doing and they destroy local economies. You know, you get a boom uh, if you are a plumber, if you are a construction worker, if you, if you are God knows what, you fix stuff. Yes, you get a boom after a hurricane because there is huge demand but on the long run, 
people start leaving the area and not want to come to the area and invest in it in buying uh, property and uh, start thinking of getting rid of property and homes because there is no guarantee if another storm is coming, they're going to get a penny from the insurance. So it's a very, very complex situation that happens with hurricanes and media talk about uh, the, 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 the wind, uh, the image of the flying cow uh, or the dead uh, tree. Or, but there are really deep, deep issues that affect people's lives. And I don't think that our governor or our government or our system is really doing something for people who are less fortunate. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, so if you're just joining... Running, uh, sorry, if people are running for office, they really need to go and uh, go like on the ground with societies that deal with hurricanes and the aftermath of hurricanes and see how the system fails them. If you're just joining us, this, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Summer. Um, this is normally a global affairs show, but we're based in Florida. We're talking about hurricanes because we just had Hurricane Idalia, who just came through. Fortunately, caused less damage than had been anticipated because it went to less populated uh, region of the state called the Big Bend area, um, uh, less developed area. So, uh, Summer, my co-host, her house was actually impacted greatly, uh, but. Thank God she survived and the house still standing from last year's Hurricane Ian that um, hit Southwest Florida, mainly Fort Myers Beach and Inglewood uh, Beach, but also, you know, was a very large storm that impacted Punta Gorda and the whole region. Um, so, yeah, it is uh, difficult to recover. I, I mean, I've gone through a few hurricanes in Florida, but none of the more direct hits and... Um, you know, thank God, no, you know, devastation um, like that. Uh, just high winds, maybe some fallen trees. Um, uh, from this so far, I think uh, from the news, they said there's been only uh, three fatalities so far um, affected, uh, you know, uh, that are affiliated with this uh, hurricane. So, you know, much better outcome um, than, of course, you know, the over 150 that uh, died last year. Uh, from Ian. Uh, as a global affairs show, we're normally talking about global affairs issues, and especially when it comes to um, uh, the Middle East, the Muslim world, and relations um, between the United States and the Muslim world, uh, but also about Islamophobia. And um, today we have two contrasting stories that came out this week, Sabar, um, about how governments are dealing with their Muslim communities. One, out of um, Paris, which tends to be one of the leading governments that has these Islamophobic policies, and the other is New York City. And uh, let's start with um, with the France. What happened in France this in week? France, in France, you know that they don't like any um, display of religious symbols. Let's say the cross, the Star of David or uh, something you're wearing that indicates... Uh, I don't know if that's true. I mean, they, there are churches in, in and there are certain, crosses all over. In certain uh, places. 
No, no. If you are like in school or in government. Uh, do you remember that? Um, I mean, as a sidetrack, do you remember uh, what was the name of that church in Paris, a famous church that was burning and it was, you know, Notre around Dame? the clock coverage? Um, Notre Dame? Is it right. Like a, I mean, that's a huge symbolic you know, symbol of, uh, in France, a church and, um, but and yeah, by I, the way, the architect mm. of it is Islamic. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I read about it. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, we, we should have an architect one day and see the influence of, um, arches and, um, and Islamic architecture on, uh, these churches. They yeah, was it, it's a Notre Dame fire it happened April 15, 2019. And, um, you know, I think, I don't know if it's been uh, rebuilt or not, but this is the first time I hear that the that the architect of this church is Muslim. Not the architect, not the architect. Architecture. Like some... Oh, the architecture. Oh, okay, yeah, they borrowed yeah. some... Uh... Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's that's throughout Europe. Many of the churches borrowed from uh, Islamic or Muslim, you know, the mosque architecture and incorporated it. It had a huge impact on, uh, uh, you know, the architecture throughout uh, Europe. But go ahead. Let's... Uh, besides so... this point that we differentiate on, I think... They mainly oppose uh, Muslim religious symbolism um, more, but but what happened this week? So this week they said that girls going to schools cannot wear long, loose clothing. Exactly wow. like that. So, this exact word: long, loose clothing. Yeah, uh, or meaning abaya. In Arabic, but 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 they but they said it in but they described it as long loose clothing. When, when it, I mean, uh, mind you, it's in English. Uh, sorry, it's in French. So it might be a, a word that they use in French, but when you translate it in the news, for instance, how did I know about it? Because it was translated into loose garment. Mm. So what's a loose garment that, that girls shouldn't be wearing? So they said the abaya. That's what they mean, which or means, like if you have a if you're wearing pants and mm -hmm. a t-shirt or a shirt or a blouse, and you have a very long kind of jacket on top, open, not uh, not a coat where you uh, zip like a long cardigan, they call it a long cardigan. Mm -hmm. So next thing they're gonna tell us what kind of. Uh, Underwear we cannot wear uh, to school. I mean, they say, you know, people in France were telling them, "What? What is that? Yeah, I mean, how far are you going?" And they said, uh, uh, "No, uh, we feel that this type of loose, long garment uh, infringes on the democratic principles of France." And I'm trying to figure out how. And, you know, to be very fair to Western media, they're trying to ask them how, like, like explain it. So are you going to next time ban, for instance, students who wear very, very, very tight cardigans because it infringes on the democratic principles of France? I mean, there was this interview, I think, on the BBC with one of these uh, 
uh, French ladies that is promoting uh, this idea. And she's an older uh, professor, um, uh, comes from a generation that probably went through uh, so many changes in clothing of French people. And she said, yeah, if you think about it, when you wear long, loose uh, clothing, it means uh, you are trying uh, to control your behavior or control and it, your... Mm-hmm. And they don't want to control their behavior? <laughs> I mean, sometimes... I mean, you're talking about uh, students. So is it appropriate to wear like, you know, I mean, you see how some of the styles, like, you know, you... Uh, bathing suit to, you know, and a, and a bra to school or uh, some sort of, um, what do they call them? Like a crop top that almost looks like a sports bra. That's acceptable, but if you want to choose to cover your body for whatever reason, that that's not acceptable. In the um, there's an article in uh, uh, Deutsche Welle, which is a French is a uh, German based uh, media outlet. Um, it writes after just one month in office, French Education Minister Gabriel Attal decided to ban Muslim abayas in public schools. Um, and how, and then, you know, talks about how European countries compare and, uh, abayas is basically these long, uh, more modest looking dresses, uh, or, or robes. Um, they're not necessarily robes, but they come in different styles. They're not the foot, they're not the face veil. It's not, you know, the burqa like in Afghanistan. Uh, this is just long flowing dresses that are more looser. Um, and this follows uh, other uh, criticism where they one banned the face veil and then they were trying to ban the the hijab. Is the hijab currently banned in public schools in France? I don't think it is banned. I don't mm-hmm. think so. I'm not sure. I have to uh, check on that. And then I think depends on the school. There was banning, for instance, if you go to a certain beach and there was a penalty, and there was a very uh, rich, uh, I think, Algerian or Moroccan Frenchman who would pay the penalty. But with the clothing, um, I think according to uh, the um, uh, Reuters, uh, it says that uh, France has a strict brand of secularism known as la cité. La cité. That Mm -hmm. is that it's somehow uh when they wear the 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 like what they call i mean i mean for instance ahmed let me talk about my sister who is not veiled she swims uh you know she has she's a normal human being okay not too <laughs> I'm glad to know your sister is normal human being thank you I'm, <laughs> As if she may be abnormal. Okay, yes. Yeah, maybe they think people who are religious are abnormal or so. Anyway, when she goes out in Egypt, uh, if she's wearing, let's say, a sleeveless dress, okay, Mm -hmm. she would wear something long on it, very, very elegant, and it looks like the abaya. So if she's in France, I mean, people, what people are saying is that what's next? Okay. If you start taking all these 
things. What are you going to infringe on next? What about the tourists who come to your country and are wearing these things? Right. Uh, I just, uh, by the way, just as a as a clarification, I did look it up and. Uh, French public schools do not permit the wearing of large crosses, Jewish kippahs, or Islamic headscarves. Um, so even Islamic headscarf is not allowed. But if you wear a small cross, it's allowed. I mean, but just not- large crosses. Well, like, what is a large cross? Oh. I mean, if it goes across your whole body. Um, but if you're, That's I guess, if true. you're wearing, what if the, you're wearing. What about- a, do they say what about the star of david also has to be small uh, that is not mentioned necessarily but i mean um, i don't know maybe you and i come from a different uh, background or way of thinking i'm not sure if our listeners can send us email or call but to me to be democratic is or to be laicite whatever that thing is and to be secular is not to force your idea on somebody else. Like, mm-hmm. I like to eat halal chicken, okay? I don't force it on people or ask pe- or ask the restaurants to serve it by force or, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't feel that democracy and open-mindedness means st- instating laws that infringes on other, on other people, especially if it's their belief system. I don't know, maybe we're wrong, Ahmed. I have no idea. No, I mean, obviously, uh, I think if in France, their idea of separation of church and state and secularism is different than the United States. The United States says that the government cannot uh, infringe on a people's right for religious uh, expression. People are free to... Um, exercise their faith and public uh whether it's schools or government facilities or the government or even employers have to provide reasonable religious accommodations that's why in the united states we have the freedom people can wear their um um skull caps if they're jewish they're you know or kippahs um uh, or their hijab, they can even cover their face if they want to for religious reasons. All those things are allowed. In fact, there's been many incidences across uh, the United States where some school districts try to ban um, the headscarf or um, you know headwear, and it would impact uh, people that would women or girls that would wear headscarves. And the Department of Justice sued those school districts and won because they the um religious freedom clause in it in the constitution is um you know clearly states people have the right to exercise uh, their religion now juxtapose that and compare that to what happened in new york city this week with the announcement of the mayor and i think i can try to get a, a audio clip of it where the mayor uh, announces for the first time in new york city that mosques across the city will be able to amplify over loudspeakers the call to prayer, which is basically a type of um, uh, chant uh, that is done to announce the call to prayer. And But this, uh, of course, uh, mosques throughout the Muslim world do it five times a day. 
However, in New York City, it will be limited to just the Friday service, which is the day of congregation, similar to, I guess, um, you know, Sunday sermon for Christians. Our service for Muslims uh, on Friday starts with the call to prayer, and then people are gathering inside the mosque, and, you know, there's a, a type of sermon and a prayer. Um, the rest of the week, there are no sermons. It just happens once a week on Friday. So the mayor in New York City has announced that now uh, this will be allowed to be amplified over loudspeakers, um, just like it's done in the Muslim world, but it will only be done on Friday. And also during Ramadan, it will happen at sunset to signify that it's time to break your fast. Now, did you find that interesting? And, and, and do you see the... You know, the difference between how religious freedom is uh, respected or acknowledged or celebrated in the, or some parts of the United States, of course, it depends on the state and the city that you're in, compared to what some are calling an assault on religion in France, especially on the Muslim faith or practicing Muslims. Uh, actually, I admire it uh, because in some Muslim countries and Arab countries, they are trying to uh, ban the Azan especially in uh, countries where they are fearful of, let's say, Muslim Brotherhood and uh, um, Muslim Islam, polit political Islam. So I commend them, honestly. I mean, this is very, very nice of them. Uh, and uh, I hope it's not uh, going to be um, a cause for concern for other uh, people. But I think, Ahmed, they had a nice stipulation, which I support very much, which is to have uh, a decent level of uh, uh, audio, audio level. It can't be like overwhelmingly um, blasting. It has to be a decent level of uh, audio. I admire that. And also, uh, I want to go back to also something very, very interesting happened. I remember when Ilhan Omar one and she it became apparent that she's going to be going to the congress and she's wearing of course the scarf or the hijab or the head cover and mm. um, some people said no she can't serve because we have a law uh, i think that was uh, instated in 1837 which originally intended to ban any representative from wearing hats on the house floor. It's, you know, it's two centuries ago. But then uh, the Congress decided, no, we're going to have uh, an, uh, a, a vote. And I'm looking here, actually, uh, the Congress went uh, and voted the members, and it was 234 for and 197 against. And it allowed um, uh, Congress members to wear head coverings also kippahs, hijabs, and turbans. And also, if you are from the Sikh sect, you can wear it. So it's really, really very, very, very uh, democratic and open-minded and not prejudiced when the US, when this is these things are happening here. And uh, I really tweeted about it in Arabic uh, so people can see uh, that there is way more freedom. There is way more religious freedom in the U.S. for minorities or for Muslims than there is freedom for Muslims in the Arab world. And, and what is what was the reaction? 
you know, I don't want to say uh, something. <laughs> that this guy who bought Twitter and turned it into X, if you don't pay him, and I may refuse to pay him the $8, I swear to God, they do something with your tweets. I either what do you get... mean? Okay. If I tweeted this before X bought X, okay? Before before, bought... before Elon uh, no, bought yeah, Twitter. The, the, this guy bought Twitter. Why are you refusing to say his name? Is it something like you just refused like to mention? I oh, really? don't like this guy. I think he's uh, bananas, but anyways. Uh, you know, men, when they decide that the earth is not enough for them, they have to go to fly to the moon. I feel that there is something wrong with their ego. But anyways, uh, anything like this would have garnered half a million uh, hits to one million. Now, I am lucky if people uh, react to it. Every couple of days, Ahmed, I get... Are you saying that you are uh, being shadow banned because you yeah, didn't pay the $8? I am not the only one, Ahmed. I am not the only uh, Thousands of people. For so instance, is it worth it just to give in and pay the $8 no, for Twitter no, just no. so you can continue? Because you're trying to get your message out, right? No. People who follow me, follow me. I have like 175,000 people following me. Uh, they, the, the people who know me uh, react and interact. But before you would get tens of thousands of people who've never heard about me, but seen the um, the tweet and would be engaging. And I really would engage with them, even if they were, because sometimes, sorry, Ahmed, just to say, because sometimes like when you say, oh, look, New York uh, did that, uh, they would tell you, yeah, but they bombed Iraq. Yeah, but they give Israel money. And I'm saying, look, life is not black and white. Uh, there are good things that happen in America that we should highlight and talk about and tell you about. And maybe you can learn something from it. But not every time this whataboutism, every time I tell you there is something good in America, you come and tell me they invaded Iraq. Uh, they bombed Afghanistan. No, there are things that happen on a daily basis that are genuinely good. And there are so many things that you can learn from. So, of course, uh, everything changed. I had also what is shocking, and I'm again throwing it to the people who are listening, and I'm, I have suspects, the amount of accounts uh, that have don't have a name like Samar Jarrah or Ahmed Bidir or John uh, Abdul Muttalib or whatever, uh, and they have like, let's say 6,000 followers to $200,000. They are translating Alex Jones conspiracy theories or Maui uh, fire conspiracy theories or any of these typical American conspiracy theories. They are being translated into the Arabic, disseminated into the Arab world, and people are believing them. This guy just last night said, oh, you don't believe me, but it, uh, the U.S. is involved with creating fires and other countries are involved with creating fires. So who is translating all this to the Arabic language? I open WhatsApp, it's there. I open Instagram, it's there. I open Facebook, it's there. Who on earth 
would be interested in uh, translating Alex Jones. So I think uh, there I mean, might... These could be what they call bots that are just basically doing that. Okay, right. but, but who is going out of his and her way and translate into Arabic, transcribing Alex Jones into Arabic? I mean, Alex Jones can hire some people that in the Arab oh, world can do that. Right. Or you think that his ideas are picking up no. supporters there? No, no, no. Uh, yeah, of course. Anything that uh, is uh, far away from science and logic, and I'm not going to even talk about uh, uh, COVID or about the muscles, um, well, yeah, uh, I think Ahmed, uh, I am suspecting that uh, Russia has and China have something to do with it. Mm. Seriously. Because at the uh, end of the day, that they're running influence campaigns yeah. in, um, yeah. in the Arab world. In all uh, Arab world, because I know Arabic, I can tell, but I am seriously. Because the explosion of it in the past, let's say, year is is illogical. Doesn't make sense. Mm. It seems uh, about, like... like uh, Maui. Like, mm -hmm. What do you care about Maui? You don't even know where Maui is. You don't even know where Hawaii is. Why should you be so interested in what happened in Maui? So these so, are I mean, okay. Okay, you're, you're you're leaving some context out. You're you're saying that within the Arab Twitter or Arab social yeah. media, there are some campaigns there where they're spreading conspiracies about the fires that took place in Hawaii. Yeah, like and what what, it, what are they saying? Like some. It's that the oh, you have two theories. One is that the U.S. has this, uh, I think in Alaska, it has a name, uh, where it creates fires and it creates earthquakes. For instance, the earthquake in Turkey and uh, North Syria was uh, uh, made up by uh, the U.S. Uh, you ask them why uh, they want to get rid of poor people. Fine. So now with the Maui one, that's why I'm telling you, this is extremely an American localized issue, whether mm -hmm. it's true or not. So what's the theory is that rich people, rich people in Maui are coveting and they like these poor, poorer areas. They can't buy them. They can't get their hands on them. So they created fires. And it's not your average fire, and they show you how cars are uh, burnt completely. So they're saying rich people in Maui created this fire so they can take the poor people's homes. Now tell me why an Egyptian should care about this, whether it's true or not. Why should somebody in Sudan care? Why should somebody in Saudi Arabia care? Do they care about poor people? in america but i okay, think so. it creates it creates like uh, uh like we're all evil here you're rich you're evil uh you're uh, you're democratic you're evil and then this movie that came out about uh i think uh, child trafficking so there, I think there is some something from outside the U.S. doing this.
That's my honest opinion. Maybe people will disagree with me. I don't know. Please send email to DJ at the. I mean, main, main, mainly that these are uh, campaigns to make the United States look bad, and it's spreading throughout the Middle East, and uh, more. I guess more and more people are spreading this dislike for the United States. Is it? That's what you're. Yeah, saying. and it's creating a lot of false uh, issues that really, as an Arab. If, if I'm living in the Arab world, there are so many much more important issues related to America that you need to know, care about, and try to change it. So they are just creating chaos that this is a chaotic country and you're not going to believe what I'm going to say next. And they think that? That, really, that really Trump figured it out and he is the best choice. <laughs> oh, they like Trump. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, true talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and somehow we're talking about a number of things uh, the main topic of today we're basically talking about how in France they have just banned um, Muslim uh, girls uh, in schools from wearing long modest dresses or robes um, and that this is somehow uh, is against French secularism uh, this type of symbolism, the dress that, you know, young girls are wearing in schools. And we're also uh, comparing that to what just happened in New York City by uh, Mayor um, Eric Adams, who uh, is now announcing that uh, starting this week, they will allow the amplification over loudspeakers of the call to prayer, the Muslim call to prayer uh, on Fridays. So I guess it would be starting this week. I actually have the clip of that. I just wanted to play it real okay. quick, Summer, if you have time, and then um, maybe get some more reaction and end the show. Here we go. Of faith, uh, just returning from Israel and seeing the intersectionality of the Jewish quarter, the Christian quarter, uh, the Muslim quarter, and seeing right there all those religions are in the same place Can you and hear allowed to worship yeah. freely. For too long, there has been confusion about which communities are allowed to amplify their calls to prayer. Today, we are uh, cutting red tape. And saying clearly, if you are a mosque or a house of worship of any kind, you do not have to apply for a permit to amplify your call to Friday prayer. You are free to live your faith in New York City. Uh, many of us may know the call to prayer as the Adan, as a chant that is played for one to two minutes on Fridays. But for our Muslim brothers and sisters, uh, it is so much more than that. It is the voice of God. A reminder to take a moment, an invitation to come together and pray. For years, the community has advocated for the right to express this fundamental part of their faith. I'm proud we are finally getting it done today. Our Muslim community is the key to the prosperity and culture of our city, and the diversity is just so evident. Uh, when you look around the full scope, uh, just like the Christian faith and the Jewish faith and other faiths is diverse, so too is the Muslim community. And we are committed 
to giving you the recognition you deserve. That's why again and again, you're hearing about the first. Over and over again, you're hearing the words, this is the first time, this is the first time, this is the first time. Add this on to, this is the first time. And you're going to hear more first times again. Look at what we've done. The first ever E celebration at Gracie Mansion. The first Bangladesh. So this was um, um, New York City Mayor uh, announcing that now mosques can amplify uh, you have, the prayer. It's a historic have, first. Um, I mean, it happens all over the Muslim world. Actually, I mean, uh, here in Tampa, it, at my mosque, I think they, it happens. Uh, I hear it, but it's you know it's kind of not in a city so the neighbors may not necessarily that we can play so they know what we're talking about oh the call to prayer yeah i mean i I, i'm sure i can um find it but what's your reaction are you surprised by his words i was really surprised you know when the way that they're the way and this is what we're thinking on definitely we say alhamdulillah and thank god that we're american and we're able to practice our faith freely here because compare that to other parts of the world where even as you said, in some Muslim majority countries, they're actually trying to roll that back. Yes, and in some countries, they won't even allow you to have the loudspeaker. But the azan is is very interesting and comforting, and you know, Muslims who I mean, non-Muslims who visit Muslim countries, like in Turkey, they find that it is different than if how it's called in Egypt, how it's called in the Gulf. Uh, but um, it's just saying leave your work and uh, go pray and go be closer closer to to God. I think you have one uh, that you can play, Ahmed. Yes. Um, let me go ahead and. It's interesting. Allah. Hold on. But then we'll have to start praying afterwards, or what? No, the midday prayer is what one. No, we still have time. Just play a little bit so they know in case they go to New York and listen to it or they hear it, they know what that is. Hey, I don't know. 
That was the uh, an example of the call to prayer, the Muslim call to prayer, which is also in Arabic called the Adhan. Uh, I didn't play the full part because uh, we're almost out of time. The show will end. And this is in recognition that in New York City, it is now something that will be heard on a regular basis across the entire city in all the boroughs um, from uh, Muslim houses of worship, also called mosques or uh, masjid. And it will be done every Friday. I guess the ordinance says it'll happen between uh, 12 and 1.30. And that's when um, Muslims gather in houses of worship uh, to perform the Friday sermon or Friday prayer, also known as a Jum'ah. And now it's going to be a regular uh, thing to hear when you're in New York City. That's uh, amazing. Something to be celebrated, um, you know. France and Paris can learn, a, you know, a thing or two from uh, what it means to have a balance between separation of church and state, uh, secularism, and also allowing people to have religious expression, which is enshrined in our U.S. Constitution. One of the reasons why all those people fled Europe is because of religious persecution and not being able to worship freely. That's why it's enshrined in our constitution here. Summer, we're out of time. Do you have any final yeah. thoughts? Uh, New York has 275 uh, mosques. Many of them are uh, belong to different uh, denominations, different uh, uh, people from different backgrounds, but many, many are uh, exclusively African-American because, uh, you know, most of them who came uh, during slavery were Muslims originally. And um, it's interesting to see how all this will uh, Pan, but but very very proud uh, moment I would say. Um, well, this is True Talk on WMNF WMNF Tampa. Uh, NPR News is next, and after that, some more great programming uh, by uh, from WMNF. Uh, thank you to all our listener supporters for joining us and continuing to support our station. I'll leave you with the Aden to close out, and then NPR will be after that. Have a great weekend, everyone, and stay safe. Uh-huh.